previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. Remember that extreme fatigue that you've never felt anywhere else in your life? I only felt it twice. Once when I had a mono and, and the second time when I watched The Irishman. <laughs> you are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is the Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. Big or small, chronic or temporary, the Sick Invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? Me? Um, me. Yeah. I have uh, dry eyes. Like really dry eyes. But luckily, I'm really good at putting in eye drops. That's great. And how are you today? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm trying really hard to not peel off all the nail polish that I just put on. Is that something you have trouble with? I love to do it. Why? It's quite satisfying. So do you like peeling it off more than you actually like the look of nail polish? No, I, I love the look of a fresh nail polish, but if there's one chip, they got to come off. Is this a bigger uh, metaphor for your life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then this particular nail polish, it just pops off so easy. It's just... Love it. Well, let's not say any brands here. No. But we will say a brand right here. Yes, this show is brought... Oh, wait, no, that's your line. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) (coughs) This show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, private photography sessions, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Also, please come see me, Ricky Grimes, do comedy, uh, stand-up comedy, virtually uh, at the Burbank Comedy Festival, virtually. Uh, you can find uh, two shows on the 13th of August and one on the 17th of August. Uh, they're all being done via Zoom. Uh, so check out my Instagram at Ricky Grimes, and in my bio is tickets for that. Please subscribe to our show, comment, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sick Invite Podcast and tell your friends about us. We also have some merchandise available on thesickinvitepodcast.com, including our What's Wrong With You shirts, mugs, stickers, and buttons. We are now on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes material, and 10% off at kaylerb.com, and other perks as well. Okay, so I have um, our producer, Klaus. He wrote to me um, prior to recording this episode, and he gave me some general audio uh, stuff that he wanted me to make sure that I, I did during the recording of this. And then he also, uh, he said he liked last week's episode. So he said, good job to you. Oh, thank you, Klaus. And then he also said he wants to know when, uh, he said, I want to know when the producer Klaus merch will be added to the sickinvitepodcast.com. I don't even know his last name. He has to prove himself first. But is that something that we would consider? I guess. Okay, good. Because he says... Uh, if you do post any uh, producer Klaus merchandise, you will be immediately contacted by my lawyer uh, because I uh, own the copyright to many of the phrases you would probably use on the merchandise, including Klaustastic, the Klaus Invite Podcast, Klausmas, and producer, comma, pro- uh, no, it's Klaus, comma, producer. And then this is his big one that he has underlined. You cannot use all Klaus, no floss. He says, any attempt to market these will be uh, in a direct violation of my trademark and copyright, and you can expect to hear from my lawyer. So that's what he says in response to, this, I told you not to do merch for Klaus. On today's show, we're going to read an entry submitted through our website by someone who wishes to remain anonymous. Today's theme is early detection and importance of annual checkups. 
Let us know how you like the presentation of this story. And if you're interested, please submit yours through our website. These type of entries are going to be read word for word. And just to let you know, we don't need a dissertation. Don't feel any pressure to how you're going to word it. Just send us how you would, if we were just speaking conversationally, send us your story and tell us how you feel. This one is titled, The Adventures of Irregular Cells in My Cervix. She starts, Hello, fellow humans. I am here to share my adventures of irregular cells on my cervix. This is a journey that I am kind of still currently on, and although it can be a scary one, I would love to share my story to potentially help anyone going through something similar. I want to stress that having gone through this situation does not make me a slut or a bad person or dirty. My current boyfriend's mom also had a leap procedure back in 2012 and has slept with two people in her 54 years on this earth, her late and current husband. Shit just happens. I've been going to the gyno regularly ever since I've been sexually active, 10-ish years. Since I have a mom with a history of breast cancer that goes to the same doctor, they've always been really great at keeping an eye on me just in case anything abnormal comes up. It wasn't until about five years ago that something had actually come up. Part 1. In the winter of 2015 is when I got my first phone call from the gyno's office. Before this time, I had never gotten one of these phone calls from any doctor before. So naturally, as someone who suffers from anxiety, my heart sank to my butt. They told me that my annual pap smear had come back slightly irregular, and they wanted me to come back in three months. Oh, and they also told me that I was positive for HPV. So here I am, at the tender age of 21, crying my eyes out because I've already convinced myself that this disease is taking over my body, and I'm definitely going to die. LOL. Before things get dramatic... I would like to include that my gyno is absolutely amazing. She has to be the chillest person I have ever met. Every time I see her, she meets me with kindness, zero judgment, and straight up answers. If it wasn't for how amazing she is, I'm not sure how at ease I'd be with this whole situation. So I go back in three months, and this appointment was with the physician's assistant. I'm obviously freaking out because I think I'm dying, and unfortunately the PA didn't have the same amazing bedside manner as my main doctor. I remember asking her with tears in my eyes, could these irregular cells be or turn into cancer? And I shit you not. She replied, yep, they could. And that was it. Cue more tears. I really don't even remember much after this appointment because the next few weeks were just a blur of anxiety and fear. However, I did get another phone call that my repeated pap was still irregular and they wanted me to come back in three months to redo it with the doctor. The day I went in and got pap number two, looking back was honestly a blessing and they really gave me a sense of peace and normalcy. My doctor came in, did her thing, and then asked if I had any questions. Through the tears, I asked her about all of my fears. Cancer, possible fertility issues, everything. She literally took my hands, looked me in the eyes and said, you know we would never let it get to this cancerous stage, right? And that sentence alone really changed everything for me. Apparently, cervical cancer is one of the slowest growing cancers in the body, so if you catch irregularities early, it's totally preventable, which is why pap smears are so important for humans with vaginas, and I will yell at you if you tell me you don't go to the gyno regularly, if you have the means. She also told me another fun fact. Most people have probably had HPV and didn't even know it. There are like thousands of strains of HPV, and even if you get the Gardasil shot, which I did, there are still strains that don't protect against you can contract HPV in a number of ways, even if you practice safe sex. It's also possible to have irregular cells without HPV, so just get your damn paps. 
So now that I've scared everyone, it's also important to note that a lot of people have had, that have HPV won't show any symptoms and the body will most likely fight off the virus within a few years. I was just one of the lucky ones who had symptoms. But anyway, back to my story. Unfortunately, my pap kept coming back irregular. So after I think three irregulars over the course of nine months, my doctor decided to give me a biopsy and cryogenic treatment. This fun treatment is where they take a machine and cryogenically freeze your cervix, killing any irregular cells on the surface. This whole thing is done pretty fast in the doctor's office and is only like a three or four on her pain scale. The weirdest part is is the aftermath for sure. You have to wear a jumbo pad for like three days as your cervix melts and the irregular cells leave your system. After I was all healed from that, I came back in another few months and got my first clean pap in years. Yes! The emotional toll of this experience was a lot to deal with. Even though I knew that I was being responsible and taking care of my body, it's hard to shake the voice inside your head telling you that this is some weird form of punishment. There was a lot of feelings of, well, no one's ever going to love me now, and other bullshit like that. I'm working on showing love to my younger self in therapy and being as kind to myself as I am others. Part 2. So it's November 2019, and nowadays I only go to the gyno every six months just to be safe and keep tabs on what's going on. I get my semi-annual pap, and unfortunately, I get another phone call. More irregular cells. Although this time there was no mention of HPV, so who the F knows? I obviously wasn't super thrilled to hear this, but I have been through it once before, and I knew that I would be okay. It's also worth noting that I'm in an incredible relationship now, with an extremely loving and non-judgmental partner who has been here for me every step of the way. I repeat my pap in February 2020, and then to my surprise, the next phone call I got was, your cells are still irregular, we want you to come in for a biopsy. I was walking with my boyfriend when I got the call, and we just stood there for five minutes, and he hugged me as I cried like a baby on the sidewalk. On the phone, I asked the nurse, well, the last time they did a biopsy and cryo on the same day, are they going to do that again? And she said the numbers came back lower than they did last time, so we're just going to do the biopsy. Still, not ideal news, but whatever. I can handle it. I made my appointment for March 14th, 2020. And then COVID happened. All the non-emergency doctor appointments were canceled, and I was just going to have to wait until things died down to get my biopsy. I didn't end up getting my biopsy until the end of May, and by that time I was getting nervous about what might be happening inside my body. When I went in for the appointment, my super chill doctor told me it didn't look too scary and that she thinks the biopsy will come back fine. Well, to both of our surprise, I got a call a few weeks that it did not. Specifically, the call from the nurse was pretty much like, it's nothing serious, but we got your results from the biopsy and the doctor wants to come in to talk about a procedure. In my head, I'm like, not that serious and we want you to come in and talk about a procedure. It usually don't happen in the same sentence, but okay. I end up having a telemedicine appointment with my doctor the next day, and she gives it to me straight. The the biopsies, they took three, came back highly irregular, and they wanted to move forward with something called a LEAP procedure. She said that it's a really quick procedure that only takes 10 minutes, and when describing the procedure, this is where it gets kind of gross, she referred to it as skinning a fruit. You are basically taking an electrical loop and cutting out a thin layer of your cervix where the irregular cells are growing. She said that because this is my second time with irregular cells, she wanted to do this procedure that is more of a foolproof to hopeful set me up for success in the future and maybe not have to deal with this again. 
She also said, which blew my mind, that most doctors would do this procedure in an office, but in her opinion, it's too painful to do without anesthesia, so I will have to go to a surgery center and get local anesthesia. I put on my big girl pants and scheduled for June 29th, 2020. Prior to that, I had to go to the hospital to get pre-surgical testing and get a COVID test. For a procedure once described as not serious, this certainly did not feel not serious. Finally, the day is here, June 29th. I get to the surgery center and immediately everyone there is beyond kind. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it felt like a mini personal hospital. The nurses were so sweet to me, and even one of them brought me two fresh blankets from the dryer as I waited to get into the operating room. The anesthesiologist came over, and I shit you not, this man is straight out of Twin Peaks, seven feet tall, lazy eye, and the longest fingers I have ever seen. I knew that this team of kind weirdos was going to take great care of me, and I shockingly felt super at ease. My therapist was very proud of me. When it was my time, they wheeled me over to the operating room. Again, I was not expecting this place to be so legit, but this was a real deal operating room with big machines and lights everywhere. The last thing I remember is the friendly giant anesthesiologist telling me he's giving me some pain medicine, and the next thing I knew, I was walking up to the recovery area. Sidebar. I cannot stop thinking about how funny my lifeless anesthesia body must have been, like picking up and moving around. (laughs) Anyway, I wake up, talk to my doctor a little, and after about a half hour of coming down, I am out of the door and on my way. My doctor did tell me in my half-conscious state that they sent the cuttings, I'm not sure the medical term of it, off to the lab just to make sure there's no trace of precancerous or cancerous cells. The recovery from this has definitely been an interesting experience. The day of the surgery, I felt a little crampy, but nothing crazy. Day two and three were the worst, but even that was more uncomfortable than painful. I was told that the pain is your uterus contracting, and as someone who's been blessed with light periods, I think that worked in my favor. The following two weeks, I continued to heal up and get better. You do leak and bloat for about one to four weeks after the procedure, depending on the person, which is annoying, but manageable. Oh, and no sex or insertion of any kind for two to four weeks. Also annoying. I think I used more pads in the past month than I have in my entire life. Sorry, environment. I actually just went back today for post-op appointment, and I am happy to say that I came back with no precancerous or cancerous cells. She also said that I'm healing up beautifully, and I just have to come back in four-month follow-up. I was so relieved to hear this news, and I'm looking forward to brighter days with less concern about my cervix. The whole process and every phase of it has really shown me how important it is to show up for your body. I had no pain or any indication that something was off, so if I chose not to go to my regular appointments, this could have been a very different story. To anyone who has gone through the same thing, or anything for that matter, I am sending you so much love as you are an incredible badass. The more people I tell, the more common I realize it is, and the more I wish more people talked about it. We are resilient and amazing, and we got this no matter what comes our way. I'm so honored to share my story with you guys. You're doing amazing work to help remove the stigmas around the shit we go through as humans. All the best always, Anonymous. We want to thank Anonymous for uh, allowing us to read that story on the show. It was really enlightening to hear about that specific situation. Kayla, what did you think? You did a wonderful job transmitting it off the uh, page by reading it. Well, I, I have to say I did have to practice reading that because when I first read it, I did cry. Um, Only because I know this person personally and I'm really proud of them for being so consistent and persistent, going to the doctor, following up, being brave enough to have these procedures 
And I'm just so happy for her that she has such a supportive partner and that she didn't have to go through this whole thing alone because that could be really a lot to go through. Certainly, yeah. So I have um, a lot of things that I'd like to say about this. Um, Most importantly is the importance of that annual gynecological exam. Uh, I just had mine a couple weeks ago. And you always got to make it about you, don't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Do you would you like to contribute to the Pap smear conversation? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. I would. Well, I, need, I have some questions, but please continue. So you went for your gyne- uh, gynecological exam. So I, uh, if you're on birth control, you have to go twice a year, once to refill your birth control prescription. Mm-hmm. If you're on the pills, I'm not sure if it's an implant. If you still have to go twice a year, and then once a year you go for your physical exam. Where they do a pap smear, breast exam, um, physical exam, check on your ovaries, uterus, all that, all that fun stuff. Now, I've talked a lot about my comfort talking about things, but that has all been with my bowels. I will be honest, I'm not going to lie here and say that I'm totally fine going to get a pap smear because it is uncomfortable. Gynecologically speaking, I really don't have too many issues that birth control hasn't solved for me. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, um, lucky for me, I've had um, all normal cervical cells. Um, but if the two of us were standing next to each other, me and Anonymous, um, we would have the same symptoms right now, which is nothing. So that's why it's so important to have that gynecological exam. Even if you think everything's fine, your results might say otherwise. I think it's also really important to do some research and find a doctor who you're comfortable seeing, especially for something like the gynecologist where it is, uh, I don't want to say an intimate experience. (laughs) What's a better word for that? It's dealing with personal areas. Yeah. It's um, like when you go to and you're having your physical exam, there's always a nurse in the room with you where if you're just getting like your ear, nose and throat checked, they might not have be so careful. Well, I think you could say it like this is that, you know, I think getting any part of your body examined is uncomfortable because it's very clinical Mm -hmm. and there are areas of your body that are more sensitive than others. So just combine those two uh, things and that's how you end up with like what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I I see a lot, um, especially in like Facebook moms groups and such um, people asking for recommendations for, um, doctors and especially for their daughters or their child's first uh, time seeing a gynecologist. And I I think that's great. I think that everyone should, if you're not sure who to see, you should ask your friends or family and see if they recommend them, read the reviews because you want different things at different points in your life. Like I've seen several different gynecologists over the time. The first time I saw one, I was 14. And then as I got older, and it was time for me to have a physical exam. I didn't really want to see that doctor anymore because I felt like I was seeing my childhood doctor. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I got a new doctor when it came to that point. And I also kind of wanted a clean slate because my you know, late teenage body was way different than my 14-year-old body. Mm-hmm. So, And a lot of people also ask, um, do you prefer to see a man or a woman? I personally don't care. Um Again, I think it's just who you're comfortable with, and that might not necessarily be based on gender. Um, I used to just see whoever was available, just because when I was in college, I was working full-time, too. 
it's just whoever I could see on the date that I was available. I'm like, yeah, I'll go see them. That's fine with me. You you weigh things like professionalism and and uh, bedside manner and and things like that probably higher than you would any other specific attributes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, there's things that I look for in a doctor. Like, I would prefer they speak to me through the whole exam. Where some people might not want that small talk. That might make them more uncomfortable. But uh, the doctor I see now, she comes in we chat for a couple minutes and by the time it's time for the actual exam i'm already out of my own head and i'm not thinking about what she's about to do to me Mm. (laughs) anymore so where other people i don't think i think the talking would probably make them more nervous what's another what's another career that you would compare it to in terms of the 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 ability to do the profession it kind of becomes if everyone's equal in that regard what are some of the things you look for other than that in terms of like you just mentioned a person who has the ability to kind of uh you know calm you down or or ease the tension or just maybe distract you from kind of what's happening that is that part of it what would you what would you call that skill uh, her skill, bedside manner. It's a bedside manner? <laughs> yeah. And what does that mean for the people that, I mean, I use that word too, but maybe we should say what that means. Um, I guess in the, in being hospitable, in a, in the way that they're treating you as a person who they see and recognize and not just a patient file. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that they're at your bedside and they're giving you, more literally, they're probably going to be giving you some sort of news that's either uncomfortable or sad and so in order to do that, they have to do it in a manner in which it's uh, it's um, presentable. Mm-hmm. I guess if you think of your body as like a task or a project, right, and you know there's going to be some hard things you're going to have to do to get this task or project done, you want somebody to present the, 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 the plan to you in a way. There's ways you can present things in which people will be more amicable or, or take it better or just to make people feel better or worse about it. Yeah. Uh, just like when you're delivering any news of any kind. Yeah, and and then it's not even just that that people may look for. Like I was saying before about different periods of your life. Like if I was looking at reviews right now, I'm not really concerned about having a child at the moment. So how they would, how much, how maybe how available they are um, to women who are about to be in labor. That might not be something I'm really looking for right now. I'd instead I'm like, are they available at night so I don't have to take off work? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you find the doctor, you know, it's it's important, you know, in any profession it's important to go as as often as not often as you can, but to to <laughs> go regularly regularly enough. Well, here's my question cuz I know you talk a little bit about early detection just generally speaking it a little bit. Well, a lot of, there are so many scary diseases or ailments out there that are curable and if they're not curable, they're preventable. And I've had several family members saved from cancer from early detection of whether it be a spot that they're looking at and then they say, okay, this might turn into something. We're going to watch it very closely so that if it is turn in, does turn into something, we can get rid of it right away. Well, S- go ahead. I, well, I, I guess my question is that because I always heard the story about the, there's a story about this guy and he goes, he only really f- ever feels like totally content with his well-being for like 30 seconds. So he goes to the doctor and he gets every test they have in the book. They check his heart. They check his liver. They check all of his organs. They check his blood. They do an MRI of his whole body to check everything on the inside. And then they give him a, 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 a full, good, clean bill of health. And then he walks out of the thing and he reads it. And he says, and then he's immediately, the clock starts back up again of him being 
nervous about something. Well, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, as silly as that might sound, it is a sad reality for some people. But then there's other people who have their their one uh, doctor's appointment where they say everything's good and then they never go back to the doctor for like five years. And then by then something is already rude and it might be too late. So, wait, so how do you walk the line of being uh, like totally like... Uh, well, I think that that's why it's important to do this annually. And you might think that a year could be a long time, but if it's something that's undetectable prior to that, we would hope that it's slow moving. And I think that's kind of the idea of getting it annually. They can, they have results to compare to in prior years. And this isn't just saying like, go get your vitals and your blood pressure checked. This is everything you want to go get your annual physical whether do the blood work if you're having pain they'll look into that further or if anything else comes back abnormal they'll do further testing mm-hmm. um and then in addition to the the physical they we were talking about the gynecological exam where you get the pap smear there's also the breast exam which you can and should do on yourself um and you get older you get a mammogram prostate exam colonoscopy and i'm sure there's other exams out there oh yeah <laughs> and, and, and you know and i'm sure you know depending on what uh you know f- i think what what the, the the main part of getting like routine checkups or or, or getting uh, seeing different types of doctors and things like that is that if, if you think about your body as like you know uh, a picture or something like every test that you get or every examination is like a little a bit of the sketch or a little bit of the painting and so the more paint or the more information that's on that paper you can kind of get a step back and you can kind of get a better idea of what it looks like mm-hmm. and if that's the case you have a better understanding of what this whole thing is you may be able to predict or you might say oh i need a little work over here or i need a little work over here but if it's you know got big blank marks in it, it's hard to kind of there's stuff you can miss mm-hmm. so the more you can add to that uh picture which is your body and what a picture mine is you know mm-hmm. very colorful <laughs> a lot of jagged lines you can get a good read of what it is and that helps kind of see when things are going wrong because you have a better idea of what it's supposed to be or what it is yeah well you might not even realize what's going on like it didn't you figure out your thyroid through the just an annual physical yeah sure you th- just thought you were really tired yeah i thought i was just a naturally like a uh um a uh, uh the the turtle from looney tunes <laughs> yeah the second you started uh your correct thyroid medicine. You were a whole new person. Oh yeah, I was a brand new guy. I, w- I was like a, you know, then I became like a a, a road runner. <laughs> so so we talk about the importance of getting those exams, and then, but I also want to talk about the stigma. Um, going back to the gynecologist over here. So in the beginning, she starts uh, anonymous. She said she made it clear that because of these results that she's not a slut or dirty. And I just want to say, of course not. And then even if this was something that was sexually transmitted, we just want to announce that this is a sex-positive show and there's no judgment for being sick. However, we want to remind everyone to please be safe, get yourself checked, disclose anything contagious to your sexual partners, and make sure everything you're doing is consensual always. Yes. A lot of these um, exams that we were talking about can be including um, getting checked for sexually transmitted diseases. Planned Parenthood is a fantastic resource for that, especially if you don't have insurance. They do offer payment plans based on your income, I believe. Um, We might fact check that later, Klaus. 
Oh, you can have Klaus do fact checking now? Yeah, I think it's in the contract. I don't think it, you read the contract? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but there, there's a couple stigmas um, surrounding the gynecologist. So there is a lot of people don't even want to say gynecologist, they'll say the lady doctor because they're too embarrassed to say. But Which is confusing because the doctor that I see is a lady for my regular yeah. my, my regular doctor, my, my uh, general practitioner. And for the most... So that's a very confusing uh, term. Yeah, and for most of my life, my gynecologist was always a man. Right. And, and I'd say lady doctor too. I won't lie. I, I was never comfortable saying it. But I, I will say if you're in an area where it's not appropriate to say what doctor you're going to, just say doctor. <laughs> you don't have to say the lady doctor going to the lady doctor but in addition to that some people will just say the vagina doctor which the gynecologist is so much more than that and some people might be wondering if it's too early to send your kid to the gynecologist and i just want to say if they are menstruating it's an appropriate time um and that there's also no right or wrong age to start menstruating i think my mother's mother started or my grandmother is the right word for that that's what i usually call <laughs> she, it that's personally what i would do um, i'm pretty sure she got her period when she was nine years old but then i know some other people who didn't get it till they were 19 years old so there's no right or wrong age and then in addition to that um some people don't see the gynecologist until they're sexually active and there is not a right or wrong age for that either but let's say that's not until you're 40 years old there's still other areas of their health that need to be looked at by a gynecologist. They're, they check your breasts, they check your hormones, they check your ovaries, they check your uterus, and there's plenty of ways to examine these beyond a vaginal exam, if that's something that you're not comfortable with at the time. But because of this age, this wide range of ages that could be in this office, if you're in the waiting room and you're judging a younger person for being there, let me just say, worry about yourself. I remember being in the waiting room when I was 14 and just having all the eyes at me. Of course, nobody said anything to me, but they were definitely wondering, what's this girl doing here? Or maybe they weren't, and that was just me wondering that. What, 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 do, you mean, like, what do you mean by that? What do you think the implication was to these people that were, that were confusing? What, what kind of eyes did you feel that, that they were Well, at the, when I was 14... I was like, oh, they think that I'm like pregnant or something. But even if I was, I'm at the doctor being responsible about it or trying to prevent pregnancy or just trying. If I if that was why I was at the doctor mm -hmm. at age 14, well, why would somebody judge me for that, for being safe and thinking about my health? And I don't know if anybody actually did, but it, there is a stigma to a young lady seeing a gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be because you're either and going back to Planned Parenthood, I, in addition to the testing, you can you can also get birth control there, and I've had several friends go to Planned Parenthood to get birth control because they didn't want their parents to know and see it on their insurance that they were getting birth control, which. Th if you're actively trying to be safe and prevent pregnancy, why is that a bad thing? Sure. So, I'm just saying, if you see a young woman in there, worry about yourself. Well, wh but yeah, I agree. 100%. You could always, should always be 
aware of other people and, and be considerate and, and thoughtful, obviously. But is there a uh, where do you draw the line in terms of uh, judgment and concern? So if you are aware of people that you know that you think should be seeing a doctor or or are not doing the things, just as the, the anonymous writer had suggested uh, in their uh, piece or in the thing that you read, where kind of as a, 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 a recommendation or as a, a story of, of you know, use this as a learning experience that you should be going to the doctor. How do you uh, walk the line or like, how do you consider like, you know, a lot of people will say, I, I was shamed into going to this or, or my, my, somebody was nagging me and that's why I went to the doctor. And do you know what I mean? Like it, it, when a person is, should be going, where, how do you draw the line in terms of being judgmental and being a positive influence, also being someone shaming somebody into doing something? Where, where do you draw that line as a person who is, uh, has seen a lot of doctors, and have you ever had to be pushed to go to any doctors? I was always terrified of a pap smear. Okay. And I didn't want to have one, even though I should have. And I don't, I didn't get one until um, a couple of years after I was already sexually active. Right. Um, and the, if the doctor would ask, I would just say nope, because right. I didn't want. Which is not uncommon. No, and I didn't want to have an internal exam. It terrified me, um, and I think that's. I, I would s- I don't know if that I would say anyone pressured me into getting it. I think I just read up more about health and I was like, oh, I could have abnormal cells. Let me just do this. Right. And then I read articles on how to be more comfortable with the doctor and then realizing that it only takes a minute or so the whole exam. Right, but this was that was that was a lot of work on on yourself or or It was a lot of me just not knowing. I didn't have the education of what the doctor's office the doctor visit would be right and i would say besides financial matters or financial reasons the the number one reason that a person wouldn't see a physician is either i mean i guess there's some sort of moral you know a cultural piece to it as well of course but and then the other part would be fear mm-hmm. fear of what could happen the same reason people don't do many things yeah same reason people some people don't fly in airplanes same reason that people I mean, don't leave the their houses people don't get blood work because they're scared of needles it's just an uncomfortable thing that you might not need but it would be very good to have to prevent really harmful things down the line. Well, I think you're you're now talking about two separate issues, I think. There's a lot of issues here. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but the two feet, like when I'm talking about fear, you're talking about two different things. So what you were saying before about how you were uncomfortable uh, going to the doctor and then uh, mentioning getting blood work done, you're talking about you were uh, fearful of the actual physical, what was going to happen. Yes. You were afraid of the, proce- uh, the procedure or the uh, the. Uh, exam. the exam or you were afraid of the needle or you were afraid some people you know when they have to get a, a strep throat or something when they stick the, the the thing down their throat or or nowadays with the i believe with the uh covid mm-hmm. they, they something or a flu test it goes up your nose that's one thing what i'm talking about is also the fear of the results of those blood work exams oh, definitely people have that fear especially if they do have that history in their family so what do you do with somebody? Is, is there is it, what obligation do you have to shame somebody in to it, or or to force somebody in, or to uh, guilt somebody in, or to encourage? What, what would you? What have you done in the past with people that you think should be doing things and that they don't? I with friend, uh, per, friends of mine who have not had their pap smear when I knew that they should have because they were sexually active at that point in their life. Um, after I had already had mine, I just 
gave them a step-by-step of what it's going to be like when you go in that doctor's office. I've offered to go with them. Right. Um, which you're, I mean, right now, I'm assuming you can't for COVID reasons. Um, but under normal circumstances, you can bring somebody into the doctor's office with you for emotional support. Um, but I think a lot of it is just not knowing what it's going to be. So when I say, okay, you're going to sit down, you're going to put your legs on the stirrups and scoot your butt down. When I when they get into the the appointment and it's exactly what I told them it was going to be or exactly what an article said it was going to be, I think that gives them much more peace of mind to have it again the next year mm-hmm. because it, you know what it is going to be. But in terms of results, you know, some people just are at a much higher risk than others. Like, for example, the um, BRCA gene, which is a gene that if you, it's a mutated gene that you could see in a blood test. And if you have that mutated gene, you will have a much higher chance of developing breast cancer in your life. So high that often women have elective surgery, um, like a, a mastectomy, just to prevent the cancer from ever coming. Right. Especially if they have family, like if their mother had breast cancer. Mm-hmm they would have more incentive to do that. But if you have a family where you're, you come from the, you know, uh, the perfect health and there's no sign of cancer, you might not feel the need or the pressure to go as often, but I would still suggest everyone get their annual <laughs> physical exam. Just, just get some blood work. So you're, the answer to me would be, be as much as a, a bolster of encouragement or information and, and that you can be. And be there as much as you can, but otherwise, you would. Would you? What would you say to a person that says that they do uh, a, a kind of a technique of like making them even more nervous about what the outcome could be in terms of like, well, if you don't do this, you know what, this could happen. I mean, I would never want to pressure or shame anybody or force anybody to go in. Right. But generally, I think I've never come across anybody who has refused to go. <laughs> it, okay. It's just a. Yes, I know I have to go and kind of just a nudge of just reminding you about how important this is. And then most of the time, if you're on birth control, you have to go anyway. Right. And a lot of women are on birth control. Um, well, I'm talking more about just in ge- all, all, and I'm not talking specifically about what you're talking that mm-hmm. per, that partic- just particular. Just in general. Ex- yeah. I mean, there's people that, you know, never haven't been to a doctor in, in, ten, in 10 years or they haven't, yeah. you know, I, I've, you know, they have issues that are visible that they don't want to get checked out for whatever, for mm-hmm. whatever, for the obvious reasons, probably. Yeah. And if, if it's not, I mean, of course, like I said, there's, there's finances and then there's, you know, that, that, that that's a totally understandable thing. And if you can help people in that way. You you absolutely should if that is the only op if that's the only reason if you can help in that way that would be f- the best thing to do to fix that situation but mm-hmm. in a case where a person is either being f- you know fearful or they're being willfully ignorant or or something along those lines of what might be best for them uh, it's a tough it's tough that's why I was curious if you but it seems like you have always been um, with your uh, matters which needs medical attention uh, and for better or for worse you've always been kind of been a uh, much like in many things in your life have been a go getter in that regard even when it's difficult you see it as a as a challenge to to rise to rather than a uh a so it's never you never really needed that type of push yeah it's always just let me get, just get this over with and move on um, and you and, and i noticed from you also particularly just knowing you you don't also don't like being told what to do no so <laughs> you if so, that would not be a good encouragement for you would be to to say that you should do this because i think you should do this yeah and for most people, it's probably the same thing. Yeah. And I, I think when you were talking about finances, that's a major, uh, major 
reason no why doubt. people don't is it, but and that's that, and that's a podcast for somebody else to do in terms it is, of the. But what I will say is that a sometimes it's quicker f- to pay for the preventative issues than it is for the treatment long term. Um, but that's not my right. Somebody I, wants. I've to never been in that situation, so I can't really speak to that. I've always had the luxury and privilege of having good health insurance and that's important to note is mm-hmm. in, in all of these discussions of, of 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 any sort of seeing medical professionals is that's that's also a, sometimes a luxury that some people don't have mm-hmm. uh, and we can only advise you know the, the the remedies that we know not only having insurance but having very good health insurance sure where i uh, with my newest insurance i have very little out of pocket expenses and that and for me who sees how many doctors' appointments per year? Uh, that's outrageous. Um, yeah. So a caveat to all of this in terms of of you know medical attention or, or early detection and things like that is is we are uh, aware of all of those particular obstacles and 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 are hopeful that eventually in this world we'll be able to yeah remedy those types of things. But that's for smarter people than me to figure out the yeah so all we can do is encourage people to to vote so thank you so much again to our anonymous writer for sharing this story it was a perfect example of why it's so important to have that annual exam and to follow up so please if you haven't yet this year please go make your appointment for your physical and please 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 go get your pap smear if you don't have insurance again Planned Parenthood is an excellent resource and if you're aware of any other particular resources that you think others should be aware of, we would encourage you to share those with those that need. Um, uh, I want to thank uh, you, Kayla, uh, for, for coming on the show and, and, and being uh, the, the value that you are uh, to this world and to this particular podcast. And I also would like to thank uh, our anonymous uh, writer for submitting their story. And, and like Kayla said, if you want to share the story. So thank you, Kayla, and thank you, uh, anonymous writer. Sick invite. <laughs>